Have you heard of Nordic Knots? The Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? With rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors? But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified, handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At NordicKnots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com Welcome to Tigers and 20 Off the Boards, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast where we bring you breaking news and interviews with players, top recruits, coaches, and influencers from football and basketball across the city of Memphis and around the nation. Now, let's get to the episode. Welcome back to Go Tigers 247's Off the Boards. My name is Kenny Stubblefield. I am uh, the lead digital content creator for Go Tigers 247. And man, I'm excited. We got, for the first time in his time at Memphis, uh, we got Lester Quinones on with us today, man. Lester, what's going on, brother? What's going on? You doing well, man? Yes, sir. I'm doing great. You're up in New York right now, right? Yes, sir. How's it feel to be home for a little bit? Uh, it feels good to actually kind of uh, get back and really be with the family now. Get a little bit of family time within this process. Yeah, you got a. Uh, the process has been extensive, brother. Tell us a little bit about this pre-draft uh, workout sessions that you've been going on. Oh, well, I mean, it's been a great process, first time for it. So uh, it's kind of good to kind of just really just travel across the country, having all these workouts and stuff like that, and really just seeing like what the process is really about as far as just going around working out for these different teams and i feel like probably the toughest part is probably just the traveling uh going from having a workout in california with the kings to traveling to charlotte across the country the next day and kind of just really having back-to-back workouts is just kind of a good experience to kind of get that feel of what it's like to kind of um be in that 82 game season and kind of travel a lot so how do you um, how does your body handle that? Because I know that's one of the major differences professionally compared to college is the travel, the consistent preparation that you're going to have to prepare your body for. Like, how do you recover? Like, what's your recovery process been like during this time? Oh, yeah. My agent actually sets up a lot of cryotherapy with me when I get back to L.A. So kind of just really going in there. And I also have a trainer out in L.A. That's where I'm based out right now. My agency is based in L.A. So I get all my pre-draft work kind of out there. So kind of in between there, I go back to L.A. Um, before kind of I try to squeeze in. If it's not a back-to-back workout, I try to go back and get treatment with my trainer in there. He kind of just – I just sit in there for like an hour and he kind of just works on my body, works on all the knick-knack injuries and stuff like that. Um, kind of just works on my back a little bit, gets a little tight on all these planes and stuff. So – Really just having him work on me. And like I said, cryotherapy. Uh, I've been doing a lot of cryo. I probably do it probably every other day. Uh, it's kind of just like three minutes, just get in the chamber. And it kind of just, 
I think it gets to like negative 240 degrees. So it kind of just, it works fast. And I feel like that kind of helps me a lot as far as recovering. It's like a ice bath on steroids, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I did cryo before, but now that I do it kind of uh, almost daily, it kind of, I, I see the impact that it has as far right. as just really the, my muscles aching and stuff like that kind of just takes it all the way and really just helps me get through the day. So what have you noticed in terms of the training side of things? You've got um, dedicated trainers for yourself. You've got some, some people that are, you know, doing therapy with you. I know, man, I've, I've been to the Lori Walton. I know what the look, I know what the therapy place looks like in there. I know what all the, the, the training stuff looks like, but have you been introduced to any kind of new therapy or training stuff that you're like, okay, this is something I'm going to implement into my daily life mm-hmm. as a pro player. Oh, yeah. Kind of like you said, it is just kind of different on the aspect of where I just kind of have a whole team to where they're all just kind of bought into me versus um, being at at, uh, LWC. um, Everybody kind of uses the facility. We have one trainer kind of for everybody. It's just kind of like one group of people or one team that just everybody's focused and locked in on me, getting me better and really just helping my body and stuff like that. So I feel like really yeah just having uh, people 100 percent locked in on you it kind of just helps speed the process up more and kind of just helps me strengthen my weaknesses or kind of help me with any knickknack injuries or stuff like that to kind of just knock it out easier so i know you're going into the i know you're going into professional basketball you had haven't had a chance to to run the gauntlet of an 82 season yet 82 game season you know there's a conversation going on in in the nba right now of i think adam silver the um, NBA, NBA um, the leader of the NBA basically came out and said that they're thinking about changing it to like a 60 game season. What are your thoughts on that? I know that a lot of ex players have come out and been like, no, that's not the right move. Mm-hmm. Are you interested? Like, are you, I mean, you've been watching NBA for so long. 82 games is normal. Like, are you, are you like, man, I want to try that. I want to know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, for sure. I kind of disagree with it. Like I said, I'm with kind of those guys to where it's, even if it kind of gets cut down to 60 games, I still feel like guys are going to sit out and try to rest and stuff like that. So I feel like kind of keeping the 82 and just keeping that going is kind of just, it's the best for the NBA. And like I said, that's what kind of separates being a college athlete or lower level to being a pro kind of separating you from the normal side of things to where it's like, okay, I have to have my body built and prepare for 82 games. Cause that's what that professional like stamp on you means of kind of just really going through that and just putting your body through that. And honestly, I feel like um, as much as as much money as everybody's making, 82 games should kind of that shouldn't be the issue of playing games. I feel like people should be more like LeBron, where you're putting in a million into your body, Come so on, you can try to play through all those 82 games. So I, I totally disagree with with shortening the games for sure. And there's a part of it's like, hey, 82 games means more money for the players, right? Like you, yeah, you know, the paychecks yeah. are <laughs> the paychecks uh-huh. are higher. If you cut it to 60, then the, I feel like those guys aren't gonna. Really, those guys up there like Curry and, and, and Harden, all those guys, they're never going to pass those guys who actually did play those 82 games. It's going to be harder to get those right. GOAT accolades, really, I feel like, if the games are cut shorter. 100%. So tell me, man, you you went through this whole process. This, uh, I know you're still in the midst of it. The, the draft is coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, you went into this pre-draft workout process with all these different teams, and, and I think – Rightly so. A lot of folks were like, you know, Lester's going to be making this decision on if he's going to come back to college or if he's going to go pro. Um, can you tell me the time? Like, what what was it that made you go, I, I'm, I'm going to stay in. Like, this is, I'm sensing this. Like, I, I, I've experienced this and I'm going to, I'm going to 
I'm pushing all the chips in, man. I'm ready to go for it. I mean, just kind of going through all the workouts. I think I had probably six workouts before the deadline was actually due. So going through those six, it was kind of nothing but positive. It was probably nothing but positive feedback. So just going to every single team. I mean, hearing from all the teams and front offices of how they're just really shocked on, on what I showed them and really just my abilities of kind of just shooting the ball and showing them other things like my passing abilities and all that stuff, my defense, and really just being vocal. So I feel like my first six workouts, there really was not one team who kind of said, yeah, this kid probably needs another year of college or he needs another year to go back. They were all kind of like, wow, I, I didn't I didn't know he can do that or I was really, really blown away and impressed by that and kind of how uh, he carries himself, his maturity and stuff like that. So really just hearing positive feedback from all the guys and as far as getting in with those kind of dudes who are projected first round and lottery and all that stuff and really just seeing myself actually be up there competing with them and like I said just being one of the best shooters in the draft I feel like my first six workouts is kind of like seeing my shooting ability versus all these guys who are kind of like highly touted it's kind of like man I'm, I'm really kind of up there shooting with them or if not shooting better than them so um honestly really just I feel like it helped boost my confidence as far as staying in to like okay I honestly really have a shot of kind of coming in here and really shocking these people so Really just my kind of thought process of I had the six workouts there and my kind of my range in the beginning was probably like top 115 when I first entered. So through those six, uh, all those teams and it kind of got around the league, then I, I started to get in between like the top 55 to top 40 range. So with those six workouts and now I think I'm like 11 or 12 workouts in. some people kind of have me in their top 40, top 35. So um, really just going through all all these workouts, me and my agent sat down and talked a lot about really just getting through. And we honestly feel like each workout that I go through, my stock is just rising. So trying to get in as many workouts as I, I could get. And I think, like I said, I'm at 11 or 12. I still have like eight or nine left before the draft process. So I really just have a bunch of teams who are kind of just going to see me and kind of just get to see me work out and just really see my abilities. And I feel like my stock's just going to keep rising up the ladder. I mean, was it when you walked into it, you talked about it, boosting your confidence. One thing I'd you know, we haven't had a chance to really talk, you know, one-on-one -on -one throughout your time at Memphis, but if there's one thing I can say that, that you don't lack is confidence. Do you think it was more of a boosting of confidence for yourself or was it an excitement that, man, these guys are seeing what I've known this entire time and that's that I can yeah, do this. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, on the aspect of like, I'm in these workouts with guys who are kind of like projected way higher than me and it's when I'm kind of like outplaying them or kind of shooting it better than them. It's like, okay. I honestly do really have a shot at really going to the next level and actually not even just getting there, kind of staying there for a long time. So um, really, yeah, just boosting my confidence on the side of like, okay, yeah, I've been to, I could do this, but now it's really my time to show it. Mm -hmm. So tell me as a young kid growing up in New York, like, do you remember your first time going, man, watching an NBA game or being around the team and saying, God, man, I want to play in the NBA one day. Oh, for sure. Going around like eighth grade. That's when, uh, that Stephen Curry guy came around. So kind of just really, I kind of started basketball around that time a little late, like seventh, sixth, seventh or eighth grade. So really just seeing him being a little, a light-skinned a light skin kid with green eyes, curly hair. So uh, kind of just portraying him as myself really and just watching him all the way up until now to where like, I feel like Curry's almost everybody's favorite player. Uh, just being there from the beginning, I feel like his impact on me was kind of huge and just kind of just seeing that. It's like, man, he really, uh, he, he made kind of a chance for us light-skinned, little, little light-skinned green-eyed boys to kind of get there. <laughs> How does it feel to be so close to achieving that, though? Like, eighth grade, man, like, next year, bro, you could be actually playing on the same court with stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, it's amazing just really having those opportunities. Uh, like I said, just really, uh, really proud of my agent and thankful for my agent, Scott, of course, for kind of just getting me like 20 to 23 workouts and kind of just really showing myself in front of all of these teams is really just a grateful and, and blessed opportunity, kind of just going. And last week working out with the Warriors, just walking in their facility and just being like, wow, like I'm actually in here working out with the Warriors. And I mean, it was just it was just a great opportunity. And I feel like I just have to, like I said, just take advantage of it. All right. This this podcast is being recorded on a Wednesday night. It's probably going to be dropped on Thursday. But tonight we got a game. We got a boss, the Boston Celtics versus the Golden State Warriors. You're a Golden State fan, aren't you? Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. I mean, I know you're you're going to be a fan of whatever team you play for. Like you're going to be that's mm-hmm. going to be your squad. But I mean, I've seen your Twitter. You're you're a Steph Curry fan. So yeah, what do you think, man? You think um, were you surprised Boston got one in Golden State, or do you think you think Golden State's got this, or what? What do you what do you think the the, the game two is going to look like? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I feel like uh, game three. Excuse like me. Like I said. Um, it was kind of tough watching that because me, myself, being a Dominican basketball player, seeing Al Horford kind of go in and, and have that game one that he had, it was kind of like, oh, I'm hating it, but I'm actually happy for him kind of just being that Dominican basketball player in the league. So um, I feel like he just really had an amazing game. I think him, White, and Marcus Smart combined for like 15 threes, all three of them. So Crazy. Uh, I feel like us having kind of like that 15-point lead going into the fourth and then Al Horford, uh, Derek White, and um, Marcus Smart just going on that crazy run of threes I feel like it was just kind of like once this is gonna happen once this whole series they shot 74 percent of threes in the fourth quarter I think or something like that like yeah that's what I'm saying so kind of just seeing those guys do it and then game two come and we win by that I mean I feel like we have all the confidence in the world going into it kind of just really just sticking in on the game plan because I feel like with with this team anybody could kind of get off especially the way Wiggins been hooping Poole's been hooping you never know what you're gonna get out of clay uh, Steph, so it could be anybody's night, and Draymond just out there being a floor leader and stuff like that. And I also feel like our bench is very underrated too. Just having Otto Porter come in, giving us good minutes, uh, having a vet in Igadala coming in, and I feel like our depth is just crazy. Man, honestly, I'm a Grizzlies fan. I'd love to see Otto Porter play for the Grizzlies at some point in his career. Yeah. <laughs> he's, so, he's so nasty. Um, yeah. Who? So for tomorrow morning when the game is when you wake up and the game is decided i'm gonna we're gonna let lester quinones be the draft analyst or the not the draft analyst but the the nba analyst for go tigers 247 who needs to show out for golden state for them to beat boston in boston for game three um tonight i honestly do feel like steph's gonna do steph so he's gonna get around his 25 29 point range he's gonna do him um i feel like draymond he'll probably because in game one, Draymond, I think Draymond took 12 shots. Game two, I think he took around like six or seven. So his shots going down, giving Claymore shots. I feel like Clay's kind of going to come out tonight and really be Clay, that game three Clay that we that we want to see. Because kind of Steph had his game one, then Poole had his game last game. And then I feel like game three is kind of going to be Clay's game. Because Wiggins, you're going to get his 12 to 15 every game. So I feel like tonight Clay is really going to come out really gunning it. Man, it's a system thing, right? Like you look at the Golden State Warriors and you look at the team they have. They, I mean, obviously the consistent guys have been Draymond, Clay, and Steph. You add Andrew Wiggins to the to the team, and it's like, you know, he was a baller in Minnesota, but man, at Golden State, like he's really doing something. Like he's a his his skill set um, works really really well in the Golden State Warriors um, offense. What do you think about that in terms of like does your as you've looked at. Um, 
during the pre-draft process and all the things that you've gone through, um, how important is not only just what you do on the court, but the team in which you get drafted by? Like, how important is oh, that? Oh, for sure. System? That's that's all my agent keeps preaching to me right now. Kind of just like not worrying about where I'm gonna get picked at, just picking a right fit for me, for me to kind of play right away. Because I feel like with me kind of getting drafted, my niche on getting in the league is kind of not even going to be on, okay, we're going to draft him off of his potential and how he's going to grow. My niche is going to kind of get in and be, okay, what is he going to give us right away? Right. And what is he going to do to kind of add to the team right away? So I feel like really just finding the right spot to where I'm going to come in right away and really just be an impact on both sides of the floor on my defense and shooting ability. Man, it's interesting. Like one of the things that when you came into Memphis – as a freshman, I think everybody knew your your reputation was that of kind of a three and D player, right? Like you shoot mm-hmm. elite shooter with some defense. Um, but I think my most underrated part of your game, and why I always picked you as the kind of the guy for the Tigers that that kept the team together, is your adaptability, right? Like the 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 plethora of things that you had to do on the court, right? Like on you mm-hmm. at, at any given moment, you were guarding the post. You were guarding the best wing guy on the team. You were bringing the ball up on offense. You were facilitating the offense. You played that, that high post facilitator role in your second season where you were the guy flashing to the basket and you didn't get as many threes as, as I think everybody expected, but it was because that's what you needed to do for the Tigers to be successful. How much of a, how much of a um, your adaptability? How key is that for your time in the NBA? Oh, major! Like like you said, kind of just really doing whatever my team needs me to do. I feel like my versatility is kind of like was kind of underrated on that aspect of my game. Of kind of, um, I feel like like you said, my freshman year just coming in being really like a high usage rate of just getting threes up and defending, and then my second year coming in kind of just moving over to my team kind of needed me to be more of a rebounder. So up in my rebound. So I think I averaged around like six rebounds my sophomore year coming in. So um, my third year coming around, kind of going back to kind of like just being like a three and D kind of. So I feel like coming in the league, my versatility and playing a little point guard my sophomore year, just kind of just giving, like I said, whatever team I'm going to get drafted to, just seeing their system and what fits and kind of just seeing what I can bring to them to kind of just help really just bring some wins and stuff like that. So I feel like if my coach needs me to come in and hit threes and rebound and defend, I feel like that's what I'm going to come in. If they want me to come in and facilitate and kind of um, guard and defend and maybe leave the rebounds to somebody else, then that's what it's going to be. But kind of just listening to what my coach and what the front office wants me to do and really just, I feel like uh, that's what helps me, kind of just asking them what they want me to do and really just locking in on that and being the best at what I need to do. In terms of your skills, obviously shooting is is elite. You're an elite shooter. Um, defense, I mean, it's clear you can guard one through three, one through four on the court at any time. You can guard in the post. Um, you got that. You got those tree trunk legs that make you be able to guard. I mean, nobody's going to back you down and knock you down in the post. Like it's just not going to happen. Um, but what are some skills that you're like, man? I am going to work my ass off to get this right before I start playing NBA level? Like what are, what are some skills that you're like, man, this is what I I really need to focus in on this. Oh, for sure. Just keeping it simple and kind of just using my shooting ability and really just, like I said, locking in on keeping it simple and getting to my spots, kind of just playing out of closeouts. Like you said, my shooting ability is kind of just going to make guys kind of press out and just really get in that rip through by to kind of pull up in the mid range. And kind of just really just make that next read on just coming off. Okay, if somebody flies by, I'm gonna come in, and the next guy steps up, 
just getting my reads right like that and working on my finishing around the rim when guys kind of run me off because I do feel like coming in, uh, guys are going to kind of run me off because, like you said, my catch and shoot ability, uh, I'm going to just have to work on kind of making that next next read and that second and third level scoring. What is the biggest difference that you've noticed in the pro pro level and college level in terms of is it really the skill or is it the speed and decisive like the quickness of decisions that is so important in the pro level? It's for sure. I feel like the spacing because just having nobody in the paint. I feel like in college, there's no defensive three seconds. So always having a body in the paint the entire time is kind of just tough, really coming off a pick and roll or coming off just regular action in the league. It's kind of like it's all about making the right decision. So it's easy. If you know your reads and know your your, your decision making, it's going to be an easy game. Just coming off the pick and roll, reading that first window, reading the back action. It's kind of just a simple game once you understand that. Because I feel like in college, coming in the defensive scheme is kind of different of where everybody kind of just packs in on defense. And if they try that in the league, somebody's going to make a skip pass so easy and it's just easy. These guys are pros. They're not going to miss that. So really just locking in on the reads and, and just having all that spacing, I feel like that's where it kind of I feel like my game is going to elevate more, just having more space out there and really just being able to go to work. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I wanted to spend a couple minutes with you and just dive into your time at Memphis. I know a lot. I know Memphis fans are going to be listening to this and just wanted to run through some, uh, some, some time, the times that you had at Memphis, um, man, I know in 2019, you came into, into Memphis and was expecting things to be normal, right? Like expecting things to be normal, but man, you came into like you're literally your college career is going to go down as the COVID pandemic years, right? Mm-hmm. Like how, how frustrating was it to keep your mind focused on basketball, but also dealing with like all that stuff with COVID and the pandemic. And obviously you got family in New York and for a while, New York was, was a pretty crazy place, you know, with mm-hmm. everything going on. Like, how was that for you trying to adjust to that? I mean, for sure, kind of um, going into my freshman year. Going into my freshman year, uh, the way the year kind of ended, I feel like that's where we kind of went on our roll. Of, I think we won like 14 out of the last 16, so kind of going into that and then us being at the conference tournament, 
and them just sending everybody home saying there's no more season. There was no NCAA tournament. I feel like our chances of making it my freshman year were kind of high yep. with our momentum ending the year off. So I felt like it was kind of tough not making the NCAA tournament that year. And then my sophomore year kind of coming in, playing without fans, that whole kind of first half of the year was kind of a little bit weird going in just yeah, not having fans out there really because myself being kind of like playing throughout the crowd and the momentum of the crowd it was kind of tough for me going out there and just seeing the stands empty especially in the forum with being eighteen thousand every night just seeing nobody in the stands was kind of tough and uh ending that year off kind of not making the tournament again and going to the nit uh was kind of tough but then finally this year coming around and, and making the tournament was just a great experience to kind of be out there and just actually live out that march madness feeling just hearing the music and the warm-ups and kind of just living through all of that it was just a great and amazing experience just being there so i know in 2019 you came in and man you were a part of maybe one of the best uh uh recruiting classes of all time you know i know for memphis in particular uh, it was the ranked the highest recruiting class that memphis has ever had um Obviously, I mean the narrative around y'all's 2019 class was: is this the next five five? Like there was a there was a a theory that that Penny, if he wanted to, could start five freshmen and be a contending team like off the rip. Like it was going to be you know all five freshmen could play um, and and contribute big minutes. Obviously, y'all had that situation going on with James at the beginning of the year. Um, I've got my theories on all that, and I'm pro James. I, I think. The NCAA did what they did, um, but <laughs> how mm-hmm. I know that was an uncertain time, like trying to figure all that stuff out, trying to you've been practicing with James for so long. You've been practicing with Precious at, a, at, at the um, at the four position. Um, I know that was a pretty uncertain time. Like, how did that impact the team? Like, what was that like for you guys as all brand new freshmen having to deal with that nonsense? Oh, major, major. I feel like James, his impact on the court, I feel like as anybody would know as a fan or not a fan, honestly, him being the number one player in the country coming in, just seeing his impact in those first two games that we got to see the glimpse of him. Um, I feel like everybody just kind of sees his impact on the game to where I think he had like 28 and 11 in that first game in the forum in like 16 minutes. So kind of just knowing that and seeing that, I feel like losing him kind of hurt us a lot and major. And I feel like that's where kind of Precious kind of stepped up and moved to the five and had to really change the way he played in his role from kind of being on that four kind of wing type of player to being just a straight five ball. So um, I feel like it kind of helped Precious for the better as far as really upping his stock on seeing his versatility from right. playing kind of the wing four to going to the five man, averaging a double-double. So in Precious' aspect, I feel like it helped him a lot. But losing James as a team, I feel like it hurt us a lot and took away because I feel like having James out there just being a potential number one pick, um, his just impact on the game was just ridiculous. Him being 7-1, that wide frame, wingspan, just in the paint, his paint presence was just ridiculous. And I felt like if he kind of would have stayed, the year would have went totally, I feel like, way, way better than what it did as far as just, like you said, a starting five freshman and all of us just, just kind of getting together. I feel like we started to click a little bit with him coming back and it was just tough for him mentally I feel like kind of just stepping away from the team taking those games away so um I feel like he made his decision for the for the better of him and his family and we still love him for all of that but I feel like if he would have stayed we kind of would have even with COVID happening I feel like if COVID would have never happened we kind of would have went on that run still to kind of be a contender for a national championship you probably wouldn't even had to have that question at the going into the tournament right like if James had been yeah playing, for it, sure it would have been, been understood really yeah, it would have been understood 
Um, obviously, that year, 2019, was kind of rough for you. I mean, obviously, with the hand injury and everything like that, um, you had to sit out. But but I'm telling you, man, I think it was during that time that you became a Tiger legend. And I, I think I, I, I'm a, we're going to talk about this for a second. But did you come into, into Memphis knowing the rivalry between the Vols and the Tigers? Uh, not at all. Not really. I kind of knew of it a little bit, but uh, really just coming in, um, Alo and Tyler, all those guys kind of who were there the year before me, um, I kind of lived with them my freshman year. Uh, so kind of moving into there and seeing how they like, they kind of explained it to me, the rivalry between the two. So kind of, I mean, yeah, I kind of just adapted and I feel like that's what kind of uh, boosted me up. Just <laughs> being one of those fan favorites, just kind of backing them. Uh, I feel like on Twitter, it was kind of like something where they got into it. So then I just came back and backed them. And with my social media presence and everybody who's behind me, I felt like it just kind of boosted it a little bit more with me just being well known um, around the city and stuff like that. So just kind of just backing them up and then it just turned into everybody just backing us together. And I feel like, yeah, like you said, it jump started from there to where everybody in the city just kind of just messed with me more. I mean, come on, man. Like you, you hit Admiral with the go-go tweet. Didn't you hit, <laughs> didn't you hit Grant with the with the broke jump shot tweet, man? Like is that stuff, man, he's coming out gunning it this bro, year. It's crazy. Are you are you honestly be like be honest with me? Are you surprised by how good Grant Williams is? Um, honestly, no, because I, I always knew he was a player. Like I said, it was kind of just really just backing my guys right. up. I didn't really know much about him. Uh didn't know that, but of course he's a great player. It's, it's like it's no beef between us or nothing like that. It was just all kind of just a rivalry, but man, um just seeing that, I feel like it's just crazy. I feel like I, I kind of helped him to get there a right. little bit. Just he fixed, he fixed his <laughs> he jump. He worked shot. on that jumper and he, now he's, he's shooting like 40 from three. It's just crazy. He he said, you know what, man, Lester's right. I gotta work on my jump shot and now look at what he's doing, <laughs> man. So hey, you need a cut, man. That's 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 what I'm talking about. <laughs> um so, you know, during the 2020 season, it was, I know that we talked about a few minutes ago about your adaptability, your versatility on the court. Um, is that something that, like, have you always been that versatile? I mean, you came out 2019, you were the shooter, came back 2020 and had to fulfill a lot of different roles. Is that something that you grew into or is that something that you're like, man, I know from the jump, I've been able to do this this entire time. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, starting off playing basketball, like like I said, back in middle school, seventh, eighth grade, around there, I kind of started off, i always been tall my whole life. So kind of starting off as the five man when I first started playing basketball. And then that's when it was kind of like, I really hit my growth spurt early as a kid. So being a tall kid, kind of starting off on the post, my dad always worked me out doing footwork and, and really five man, four man work. And then as I got older, that's when I kind of transitioned into, like I said, starting to like Steph and just working on my ball handling and shooting threes a lot. So kind of just really starting on the post, I feel like helped me a lot into my game today, kind of as far as the footwork and guarding the post and, and guarding those guys. And always really just, like I said, just being an all-around player, my dad kind of trained me too. He was my trainer my whole life. And I feel like he just did a great job of kind of just not focusing on one aspect of my game with me. It was always working out on shooting, defense, rebounding, ball handling. It was kind of just making me a whole entire complete player. And I feel like it just kind of shows to where, like I said, whatever my team needs me to win, I'm going to just lock in on that and really just do that. So obviously y'all 2020 y'all came out. It's a weird season with the fans and, and all the, the, you know, you had the, 
the, you had to sit down for a couple of weeks, you know, not being able to play all the COVID stuff. Um, but it's clear again, just like in, in 2019, you guys started playing y'all's best ball at the end of the year, went into that NIT tournament, played some teams, man, like some good teams and smacked every single one of them. Like what, how did it feel? I know it wasn't the championship that you were looking for, but was it satisfying to be one of two teams to actually end the season with the championship in college basketball? Yeah, for sure. I feel like it was just, like I said, coming from that low point in the season to where it was like people really thought we weren't going to have a postseason at all to coming in and kind of not even just getting invited to the NIT and just saying, man, we're just going to come out here and kind of just play through it. We were kind of like, okay, we're here already. We might as well just win it all. So kind of just everybody just locked in and, and really just became closer. And I feel like that, that end of the year team in 2020 kind of uh, grew like a brotherhood more and kind of just became closer off the court. And I feel like that's what kind of jump started it and helped us just really get onto the court to where everybody bought into their role and everybody was just out there just having fun, just being selfless and everybody kind of just eating. And I feel like that's when we were at our, our best and our highest point as a team. So then you come into the 2021 season, your junior year in college, um, your final year in college, obviously. Um, I know the season didn't play out exactly the way that you guys wanted it to. I know there was a lot of ups and downs and, and some, some, um, peaks and valleys, if you will. Um, but again, for the third straight year, by the end of the year, you guys were balling out again. Um, the, the, the leaders on the team, um, you, uh, DeAndre, Alo, Landers, the, the veterans, there were moments, I think this past year where things really could have gone off the rails for the team. And like, how did you, as as the veteran, keep the team together? I mean, like you said, just kind of uh, coming in, having another number one recruiting class with all these young guys. I feel like it was just kind of deja vu again to where we kind of went on that losing streak. It's like, okay, guys, we've been here before. We've seen what this is like, what this feels like and what this is like. And it sucks if we, if, if we want to turn this season around, like something's got to give. So kind of just having team meetings to where it's like, guys, we've been through this to where it was like, okay, we go on this losing streak and it feels like it's the end of the world. Everything sucks. It just sucks being around the city with the being a basketball city when everybody's losing everywhere you go. It's just kind of like Penny always emphasized when we lose, the city just hurts. So really just explaining that to uh, all the young guys and everybody else who kind of on the team. And I feel like, like, like I said earlier with the team in 2020, towards the end of the year, that's where I feel like everybody started to get closer, like towards the end. And kind of just being more selfless and really just buy into the culture and just being for each other. And I feel like that's when we start to play our best basketball and go on that kind of run toward the end of the season. So um, I don't know if that's just kind of like a, a thing at the end of the seasons, but I feel like these last three seasons, me being there, we always play our best basketball from that January to the end of the season point. So um, just, yeah, kind of just being kind of like, like you said, a vet and kind of like an older brother to those guys to where we've experienced it and been through that already. And we just got to understand that all we have to do is come together and really just work to kind of get through that and to just get over that hump. So just ending the year off strong and kind of just making it, like I said, to the turn, it was just amazing making it there. And then winning the first round and having to play the number one team ranked over anybody in the tournament. Uh, we had them at halftime. I think we were up 10, but uh, just really just being through there and ha going through that experience was just great. And I feel like we could have had them, but we just fell just short enough. What do you think it is? What do you think it is that helps a team 
like what were you able to share with them? You talked about it a few minutes ago about, you know, keeping things simple in your career right now, like what the skills that you need to develop, the keeping things simple. Is that really what a lot of it is when you're going through that rough patch in 2021 where you're saying, we, we don't need to overthink this. Let's keep this thing simple. Is that kind of the message that you guys were sharing? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, like, everybody understood our talent level. Uh, having another number one recruiting class just really at every position, having a guy who really has a potential to play in the NBA um, was just kind of just really preaching that to them. Like, guys, do you guys not understand, like, how talented we are and how good we are on paper? All we have to do is just kind of play together and really just play for one another. And that's when all of our games are going to flourish and everybody's kind of just going to look great. So really just emphasizing just being a team and a brotherhood and kind of just hanging out more off the court or really just, like I said, just making that extra pass or playing for the person next to you is kind of what makes our best basketball with us being such a highly talented team and everybody being able to hoop. Yeah, uh, you're right, man. Everybody, everybody on that team, has a chance to play pro ball, get paid to do what they love to do. And I love that message though, man. Just if we work for each other, this will be successful, right? Like we can make mm -hmm. this be successful. Um, how important was it to you, man? It's been a few years since the Tigers went to the NCAA tournament, man. How important was it to you for the Tigers, for your team to, to experience that in March and then man, put on a good showing dude. beat the brakes off of uh Boise state. And then, played Gonzaga and I mean in Washington right like y'all were up in was it Seattle mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. playing them in Washington and playing them to the point where I don't think anybody would have been surprised if y'all had won that game um how important was that to you is that an exciting thing to be able to like kind of walk out and do oh hugely I feel like as far as just Penny's coaching era aspect I feel like being the first team to kind of get there with him was kind of a big deal because I feel like his four years being there it was always the goal to make it to the tournament. So actually just making it there, like I said, just hearing that music in the warmups and kind of just being like, damn, we finally made it. this is my third year. And like, we're finally here now. So kind of just being there and winning through that first round, it just felt amazing to kind of just be there and just the love that the city gave after that first win and the fans, I felt like the fans just kind of deserved that to where, like I said, the fans at our lowest point in this year's season felt like the NCAA tournament wasn't even like an option at all. So just getting there and really, giving them a win and kind of making it into the second round. I feel like the city, the fans and Penny kind of deserved that. So it was just great to kind of just be a part of that. And I feel like he can just build off this year to kind of just keep that going throughout his uh, coaching career to kind of get there next year and the year after that. So just really being the first team under his era to kind of make it was just amazing. That's awesome. So as you're, as you, as you're leaving college and you've taken inventory on your time in college um, specifically about the game, about the way the game is played in college basketball. Um, do you think that the college game prepared you well for the NBA? And in, in what ways did it? And what ways has it not prepared you for? Um, yeah, for sure. As far as just being more efficient, I feel like for my freshman year to kind of now uh, shooting 40% from three and like 39.9 this year, basically 40, just kind of just teaching me the aspect of being efficient to kind of get to the next level. So teaching me, okay, like I said, just keeping it simple. If I do get these shots, being the older guy now, I'm not the freshman anymore, just really getting your shots and just getting to your bread and butter and knowing your strengths and not trying to show too much. So like I said, kind of just showing my shooting ability and just being more efficient as far as just making the shots that I do get and being more disciplined on the offensive and defensive end of 
yeah, like I said, just being efficient. And I feel like, like I said, going into what I said earlier, it didn't help to kind of um, have that spacing out there, just always having a guy in the middle of the paint, always having a guy at the nail, just standing there and just not having that spacing. I feel like the NBA game is just totally different on that aspect to where if you go in and I'm going to these workouts and just seeing it, it's like you're coming off a pick and roll and it's just like straight decision making to like, OK, I'm either have a shot, a pass or a back action, just keeping it simple. And it's just taking advantage of your disadvantages at the next level. I feel like there aren't too many disadvantages at the college though because there's so much built in help, and so much pack line defense kind of there's none of that in the NBA is more spaced out. So I feel like that's what kind of hurt a little bit, just knowing the spacing aspect of it. Taking advantage of your disadvantages. I love that. I love that. Um, mm-hmm. Would you, if you were, if you were uh, a part of the NCAA um, rules committee, would you change the shot clock and the defensive three seconds rules in the college? Um, not at all. Cause I felt like I said, it goes back into that 82 game argument of where it's like, okay, now that's that next step and level that separates the college level from the pro level that, defensive three seconds and that 24 second shot clock is kind of what makes pros pros and kind of keeps you on that college level to where it's 30 seconds and having everybody in the paint. I feel like that next step, it just kind of needs to stay up there in that professional level. Got you. All right, man. So I saw you drop something the other day on Twitter. You got some shorts coming out with your effortless brand, bro. Tell me about this Mm -hmm. brand and how excited you are to, um, to be in the fashion world, man. Like this is Mm -hmm. incredible stuff. I mean, for sure. It's just a great opportunity. I mean, I've always been into fashion since I kind of been small. So really just coming in and actually just having my own stuff out there, really just with the supporting cast that I have and the fans that I have, uh, really a majority of my sales actually comes from Memphis. So just kind of out there just making stuff to where it's like uh, I have a brand where it's kind of like I don't just drop stuff that's only for men, only for women. It's kind of unisex. So both, both, both genders can wear it. And it's kind of just really just having like that really my type of style as far as just having my logo on the front of the chest, just keeping it simple with that and dropping these shorts that actually came out today. Just they're kind of all purpose. So kind of just having something to where it's okay. I could buy these one pair of shorts to where it's okay. I could wear these shorts. If I want to go swimming They're they're kind of like water resistant, dry fast. They're kind of like that swimming trunk fabric to where, okay, I could go get in the pool with them or I could go work out with them, kind of hooping them play soccer in them, do any type of sport in them, or I could kind of just rock them and just put them on the fashionable side. So I'm just kind of being all purpose type of shorts to where, okay, I could buy this one pair of shorts and I could use them probably four to five to six different ways to where it was kind of like on the money saving aspect to people too, to kind of help those who kind of, okay, I really could buy shorts and really just do everything with these versus, okay, I have to buy a pair of swimming trunks. I have to buy a pair of shorts to play basketball in. I have to buy a pair of shorts for this. So really just coming out with the idea with me and my marketing team on just, getting shorts to where they're kind of versatile as far as kind of just going into my game, really just branching that into there of just, yeah, getting those. And with myself kind of being flashy a little bit, just not just making it dull colors to where it's just black or white, kind of giving that like that dust kind of rose and and that little pink kind of color onto those pair of shorts to where it's okay. I feel like um, the females are kind of like that more onto where we would get more female sales onto, okay, they kind of like that pink, but then there's more men, who kind of like, okay, I can see myself wearing those too, but yeah, then dropping the gray and the black pair, just really dropping those three. I feel like we might add like probably a red and blue pair to kind of make them a little bit more, adding just more colors to it to kind of just make it more vibrant and kind of get everybody to wear them. But I'm for sure thinking about going, branching into probably like making smaller sizes into like kids maybe, because a lot of Mm -hmm. people are asking me for kids 
to get them for their kids and stuff like that. So making those smaller sizes into kids, I feel like that's going to be our next step. And also making kind of those plus sizes to where we we, we might have to add like three XL. Thank you, bro. Maybe, yeah. I, those, pre- <laughs> I appreciate that. For sure, we're going to add the larger sizes probably in the next week. So we could kind of just help everybody kind of just get in their effortless gear and just kind of just rock out in it. Ain't nobody trying to see me in effortless gear in the sizes you got right now, bro. I'm going to need some. <laughs> I'm going sure. to need, need some big and tall, man. That's what I'm going to need. Is it, it feels like to me, man, like you're a guy who is like multiple layers. Like you're not just a, you're not just a hooper. You're not just, you're not one type of person. You got a lot of expressions that you like to throw out there is, is fashion. Like, is that just one of them? Is it dope that people get to wear like your expression of how you see the world on their body? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Like I said, I'm not just a hooper. I'm kind of a guy who kind of just does everything. And if it's something, like I said, I put my mind to, I'm going to just try to be the best at it. So really just going into um, kind of, like I said, just really just going out there and just being on social media and being like, damn, these people are really kind of like reposting and wearing like my brand. And it's crazy because like a couple, like yesterday, I feel like I got a couple orders from like, it's kind of globally. So we ship right. global. So couple guys like somebody dm me from greece kind of saying we got your gear out here in greece just seeing him see that it's just like wow man like it's just amazing and it's just like i'm just blessed for the opportunity to kind of just go out there and really just be like that role model type of guy to where it's like i feel like it's a lot of kids who kind of buying the stuff too to where it's okay their parents are okay with them wearing my stuff to where it's not like a brand where somebody's parents be like no i don't want you wearing his stuff it's kind of like he's a good role model and a good example so I feel like, yeah, I, w- I want my son or my or my child to kind of wear that. So that's kind of where it goes into, like I said, I have to make more sizes and stuff for the kids to where I feel like it's more kids who kind of want to wear my stuff. What uh, what's the one pair? Like, what's the one pair of clothes? Like the the color, the 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 colorway. What is it that that Lester Quinones wears? Like, what's the one that you're like? This is what I love to wear. Like, if if somebody is gonna buy this, they're gonna see it and go, man, I'm wearing what Lester his favorite what's which one is yours yeah for sure the 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 simple just black with the effortless logo across the chest i feel like that sold out in probably the first like 10 minutes of me dropping it so just seeing everybody um just wear that i feel like that's the most common shirt to where i really had to drop it again twice once it sold out i think like a couple months later that's all everybody was asking for like yo you got to drop that black shirt again and stuff so i dropped it again and then again it kind of sold out again within like the first 10 minutes so i feel like that shirt is kind of like the OG shirt to where it was kind of the first shirt that I kind of dropped, the first shirt that kind of put me on. So I feel like just seeing that shirt around is just like, wow, that's, it's just a shirt that I kept just so simple yet. It's everybody's favorite to where it's like, everybody wants that shirt to come out again. Tell everybody that's listening where they can find effortless fashion wear. Uh, everybody can find it. The link is in my bio on all my social media. So um, I'll be reposting the shorts a lot because they, they actually dropped today and people pre-ordering them yesterday. So, I'm going to be reposting it a lot, but uh, it's on shopinhouse.com. You can get the in-house app uh, in, in the app store uh, as well. And yeah, like I said, all my social media will have the link in my bio for anybody to click it. And I will be coming out with discount codes for uh, anybody who kind of wants the price drop a little bit. But I for sure try to make the clothes to where it's more in the price range to where it's not too expensive. Uh, the shorts only were $35. And I feel like that's kind of cheap for a pair of shorts that are kind of all purpose to where the shorts that are like $50, $60, $70 shorts, all these like fleece shorts and all that stuff. Like people kind of tax the shorts a lot. So kind of just put it in a price range to where it's affordable and we try not to make it shipping that much. So I'm I'm going to try to get deals out there to where it's kind of, if the first couple orders will get free shipping. And like I said, we do ship globally. 
So just kind of just being more of like the brand where it's more convenient for people and more price range, like affordable for people. I feel like that's what we're kind of working on the most. That's smart, man. I love it. Give you a last chance to say anything. I know you're going to be around Memphis. You're not going anywhere. People are going to love mm-hmm. You're a legend in Memphis now. Got any last words for Tigers fans? Oh, uh, nah. Just really just thanking the fans and the city as a whole. Of course, I thank Coach Hardaway and all my stuff like that. Everybody knows what's up with me and him as far as our relationship. But as far as for the city and the fans, it was just like just a great experience. Just kind of just being that New York kid, um, being that up north kid out of town, just coming into Memphis and really just being accepted, like really for who I am and kind of just expressing myself, not changing myself, not really going out or really taking any hate. I feel like my all three years there, it was kind of no negative or really hate that I received from the city. And it was just amazing to kind of just be one of those guys to where it's like, all age groups, all races, all type of people, like everybody in the city kind of just messes with me for who I am. And it was just an amazing experience. And I love the fans for that and kind of just really love everything about it. I love the city of Memphis. It's kind of like my second home, like I said, to where I'm, I'm for sure going to go back. And once I do get to that next level, I'm for sure trying to give back to the Memphis community as well as where I'm from in Brentwood. But really just giving back to Memphis as a whole, just really thanking them for everything that they've done and just accepting me as really like one of their own. Well, I'll tell you, man, I'm a basketball fan. I played basketball in my life. I love, I watch literally every basketball game. I can, it's on TV. Anything I can watch, I watch. And the things that excite me the most about basketball are, I, I love watching good shooting. I love dunks. I love all that kind of stuff, but it's, it's seeing the players that, that are the glue for the team, seeing the players that can do it all that can guard anybody, can play any position, do it all. And I think that's what that myself as a um, lifelong Memphian, and I think most Memphis fans are going to miss the most about you, man, is not just your not just everything that you did on the court, but also, man, you gave us some swag, bro. Like you, like you, mm-hmm. you gave us like a little bit of like, yeah, man, we can strum our guitars out there now. Like we can do all that kind of <laughs> stuff. So from a Tigers fan from all Tigers fans to you, man. Thank you for being just a a great ambassador for the city, man. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that for sure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tigers and 20 off the boards. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a rating and a comment wherever you download your podcast. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, head over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are published daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for a VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event.
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.